Hello and welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and oh my goodness, who did I let in the house? Who did I let in this GD house? I guess we let the enemy in, didn't we? And a niner at that. Oh yeah, it's my very good friend. Known him now years. I can I can we can kind of say that almost thoroughly. We've known the years. Jesse from last second sports during Thanksgiving week from the uh, the Niners channel. It's just been having a hell of a year over there on his side of it. His team's been having a hell of a year. This is going to be a hell of a matchup. He's made some time to come on in the house of the Hawks Nest as he does. Jesse, thank you so much for uh, coming here to the Hawks Nest again, man. Absolutely, brother. You know I couldn't not do this show with you. We've definitely built up some good rapport. We had the the preseason show that lasted damn near three hours. That was one of the, <laughs> That was, I think, my number one stream this offseason. 49er oh, wow. fans, Seahawks fans, they hate each other's team. It's a big rivalry, and it is a must-do. I am traveling, so the normal studio is not set up. But either way, I am here, and we are making this happen behind enemy lines for sure. Can't wait for this game. I can't either, man. And it's um, it's been an up-and-down season for us. You guys, I think, have been, even though it's a one-game difference, it's been a bit of a different tenor between two different teams here. But um, I'm really happy to do this as well because there's definitely, I'm sure we've got both a couple questions for each other that we've been wondering about where each team is, you know, kind of lying. But at the good, the good part about it is whether we've been kind of struggling to come in and getting beat by the Rams twice coming into this, you guys starting to turn the corner here now after you've gotten a little bit healthier we all still do have these matchups coming down to meaning something. And uh, this fight is not merely one of its, well, the Niners got this division, no doubt about it. They're just going to run away now. Here we go. Well, we got the chance to fight and wrestle this back. And that does make this matchup so much interesting. And as I told you and I've said for a couple of years, I still look at it. I don't care if the Rams beat us twice this year or whatnot. I still look at you guys as the main matchup in this one. That is the one. Here's who we've got to knock off if we're going to hope to take this division. They are the ones standing in our path. Yeah, absolutely. And division games get squirrely. Uh it it's no surprise that the Seahawks lost to the Rams. The Rams in this era of Shanahan, McVay, Carroll, this is the way that it's worked. McVay owns Carroll, Carroll's owned Shanahan a bit, and Shanahan's owned McVay. It's just the round robin that keeps on giving. And, you know, division games are always a crapshoot, and that's that's the way I see it. You know, the 49ers certainly on paper should win this game. But when you get in division and anything can happen any given Sunday or Thursday, I guess, in this case. Yeah, the familiarity breeds contempt, but it also breeds familiarity. I know what my opponent's going to do. I know what's coming. It's harder to, to surprise that opponent on the other side. It does just simply come down to less uh, a chess match and just, you know, who's just going to play it better at, at times um, to a degree. I think there is a chess match involved here. We'll talk about a little bit where. Are you right now with this Niner team to set the stage? We've had a you guys as we've talked about in a, a pretty long run here right now in this sort of Super Bowl window time frame, and you guys came off a, a tough end of last year where indeed I really thought as we talked in the preseason if Purdy win, is in that game and still remains playing that you guys win that game and you probably win the Super Bowl championship as a tough matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. Hard to come off that kind of loss. Hard, hard to have a lot of not to say you still have a great team, but just this is could knock a lot of other teams down from a mentality standpoint of feeling like, ah, oh, it's not our time, especially being a run with the Packers end of the year. And all that. where are you at? Where was the organization at? Because it looks like you guys have bounced back. You're strong as ever, seemingly, if not maybe strong as you've ever been in this current run of the Super Bowl time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the roster's certainly loaded. The quarterback is better than it's ever been. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did some nice things here, 
But ultimately, Brock Purdy is just a better player. He's more fleet of foot. He throws with much better anticipation. If the pocket closes around him, he's able to move around and, and do some things in order to extend plays. And I think that right there, coupled with arguably the best roster that this team's ever put together in this five-year run, they're really primed to win. And the thing is, though, Brandon, is that to me, I feel like they know the urgency that's ahead of them because it is also an aging roster from the standpoint that a lot of the key players, especially on the offensive side, not so much defense, but on the offensive side, a lot of the key players are getting up there in age. You know, even CMC, who you say, all right, he's only 27. Well, a running back, 27 can be up there. And so I think this team right here knows exactly what's ahead of them. They know that this is a must-win season if they're going to put it together. And five-year windows don't happen very often in the NFL, especially when you don't have a franchise quarterback. Now, maybe the, the 49ers have that in Purdy. We will see as time goes. But they have not had that during this five-year run, and they've still remained competitive. That is not easy to do. No, it isn't. And you potentially elongate out, help to elongate out this run with the Purdy contract where it is for the next two years, uh, this year and the next being that it will remain low and that will allow you to really uh, accommodate things and manage things in certain degrees. You're going to lose Trent Williams to retirement here sooner than later, but um, doesn't seem like necessarily, even though it is the end of the run, it's well, you know, right. Eh, they're still going to be strong for in, into the um, throughout this period and the rest of the foreseeable future, I'd say. Wilkes has been interesting to track from an outsider looking in on this from the Niner fan base. Uh, it seems like one week he's he's got the pitchforks out. The next week he's being lifted up and hoisted <laughs> up and, you know, hurrah and all that. Uh, where where are we at with the new defensive coordinator for the, the uh, 49ers this year? I think that whole thing was really overblown. I, I had actually put out a post before they played the Jaguars showing how bad it was with D'Amico his first eight or so weeks. And the numbers were staggering, I think, to a lot of people. And really, in that eighth game, it was the worst that it had ever been under D'Amico. His eighth game that he coached as a defensive coordinator was against the Arizona Cardinals when Colt, uh, excuse me, Colt McCoy was at quarterback. And they got stomped, ran all over. It was awful. It seemed about as bad as it has ever gotten during this five-year run. And people wanted him fired, too. Yet. The defense turned it around. After that, they looked really good. And that's where Steve Wilkes, I think, has done a good job. Now, I know that you're very in tune. You heard about him moving from the booth down onto the field. People made that <laughs> much bigger than what it needed oh, to be. You know as well as I do. I it didn't mean anything. But either way, it's worked. So they're good to go. Uh, Steve Wilkes, I think, is fine. Whether it is going to the booth or coming down, from with, whichever it is, whichever fan base it is, that's the akin to going out to the desert for what is it, forty nights? Whatever the yeah. you know reverse is for coaches, they think that will be the solution to when they come and do. And sometimes it's arbitrarily going from low to high, from high to low, but it's always the fans going, "Oh, this was what we need him to do. He just needed to be in the player's ear. Oh no, he needed a high level view where he could look down and see everything and you know look at it right." So. Uh, it was pretty cool to see him in the booth the other night where I think you had a nice big win and all the coaches are like hugging him knowing he's he's got like a pylon hug session going on because they, <laughs> they know he's been feeling the heat and he's like, he's got that like, you know, kind of look on his face. Um, but it does look like it's starting to take hold there. He looks like he's finding uh, a good footing there in his mix of play calling as long as he doesn't call those casino blitzes, right? 
Gosh. <laughs> but um, also as well, you guys made one of the big uh, trade deadline additions uh, that was very notable. You guys always, always got to stay paced, don't you? Always got to just, we do something, you got to do something, huh? <laughs> and just let's have a little bit of fun with it. Cancel own even the trade deadline. No, here comes the Niners. No, you like that swing. How about that? How's uh, Chase Young doing? How's the uh, former top five yeah. first-round pick for a third-round pick had? How's he doing? How's he doing? How's he doing pretty good? He's work? fantastic, man. He really is. He and Bosa are really good friends. Obviously, they went to Ohio State together. And so the two of them have just made a nice little pair. I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you this. These are some of the things that may or may not show up on TV. But I was at the game at Levi this last week, and there was a moment. It sounds so silly, but I'm going to say it anyways. There was a moment where Chase had a bunch of turf just in his or in his helmet, and there's Bosa ready to just pick it out for him. His best friend. They are inseparable. No, they they really are good friends. You see them. Uh, they have that camaraderie on the field. They legitimately say, "Hey, you get the quarterback, or I'm getting the quarterback, but one of us is going to get there." And they certainly have have wreaked havoc. Now, I will say. There have still been times throughout this last week that I saw where they were getting stonewalled a little bit. And as good as that front four is, and th this has always been my issue a little bit with putting so many resources into that front four, is they can be held in check if you have the right game plan. If you want to stretch the field horizontally, if you want to turn it into a quick passing game, you certainly can kind of eliminate those players from games for long periods. And even this last week, the Buccaneers, who don't have the best offensive line, they have a really good offensive lineman and Wurfs, and then some, you know, they were able to kind of nullify that front four, which can be discouraging at times because I think the back half of this defense is its weakness. And if you can put those corners out on an island and just make them guard for three four seconds they're they're gonna get toasted and so that that is my biggest concern right now but overall chase young i mean anytime you can add talent like that you you absolutely have to i, I do have to turn the question around though and it mm -hmm. hasn't looked great as far as a team goes but what about williams what is his addition meant for the seahawks what front four, I guess, or three or whatever you guys are doing down there now. I know you guys mix things up, but just overall, what is, what is his addition meant to the Seahawks? Well, I liked, I did like the trade. It, it certainly is a, a significant amount of draft capital to give up, but it's also mm -hmm. one where it's very hard to find these defensive tackles. Now I think it's, I've been sort of theorizing Jesse that the defensive tackle position is sort of rising to overtake as the running back position becomes more devalued. You see DTs getting more and more valued. Look at all the signings across the board. Um, over the last year alone, um, you know, your own Niners, my team uh, with Raymond Jones. Um, and then look at the, the teams that don't let their guys get away. This is the big problem with it is that there's not a lot of them coming out in the draft yearly, number one. Number two, those teams that have Quinn and Williams, uh, LaRon Payne, even though they've already paid Jonathan Allen, uh, you go through the league, Ed Oliver out there with Buffalo, Richardson with Tennessee. These teams don't let these guys go. And when you have a scarcity in the draft of them, and then you have teams unwilling to let him go. That's going to create, on top of the paying the, the ultimate high price you have to pay in dollars, you're going to have to pay the high price in draft capital to get those guys in. And I really still do like the trade. I do love the fact my team went for it. I was giving them a bit of the benefit of the doubt that looking internally, even though there's been a bit of inconsistency, that they saw themselves being one that would round into a contending team with this addition. There's some questions in my mind whether or not that was really the accurate outlook 
on this trade beforehand. But I'm also anticipating that he's going to probably be the most highest valued free agent that we're going to look to bring back here into this offseason, even over a guy like Jordan Brooks, because again, for the positional value at play. And uh, I think that's part of why they were willing to give up the draft picks. They were, but he's a good all around player, plays the run, plays the pass. He's you, you, he gives you a three tech who you have to spend extra resources on, which is unusual. You know, that's where he can really help you. Yeah, I think, you know, the 49ers go in and make the, the Chase Young deal and they get it for a compensatory third. And once that happened, people then retroactively went and looked at the Bears deal that they made for Sweat and then your deal for Williams and said, well, I mean, did they overpay? And I don't, I don't think that either team did. I think that the 49ers really got a hell of a deal mm-hmm. for Chase Young. It sounds like they were ready to move on from Chase Young, not just because of his on-field play, but some other things were going on there. And they were they were ready to just see him go. And the 49ers did a great job there, but it doesn't mean that Seattle and Chicago didn't make good deals as well, just a little bit different because of the circumstances. So I, I like the deal a lot for Seattle. It hasn't turned out team-wise, but that's not his fault. That's not a, a Williams issue or a trade deadline. I mean, trade at the trade deadline being bad issue, that is Seattle just not living up to at least what my expectations of that team were going into this season. I think it's a very fair outlook on it. And all of these kind of trades are made in different in different views. There's a lot of things that go into factors. I mean, I'm I kind of muddled that, but you have him with his injury history. That's going to come into it where it's not going to come to it with the Leonard guy, for instance, who's been very healthy throughout the course mm-hmm. of his career. Um, Montez went relatively so as well. So that factors in. I did a behind enemy lines with the Washington uh, content creator and asked him straight up right around the time of the trade, you know, is the guy taking plays off? Yes. You know, he's taking plays off. I don't know if that's something that you would have said about Leonard Williams tape is he's been a very consistent player. Now I think it's a situation thing, right? Where Chase is playing in a loserish place, loserish state of mind for a long period of time. That's going to affect some mentalities, right? Okay. I get it. I'm not, he's young, he's young kid. I understand, but he's picking his spots too, because he's trying to earn his contract in that same kind of situation. Now he goes to the Niners and maybe it's a little bit of a different fire that burns a little bit differently. I'm a big proponent on that as far as different situations can, can bring about sometimes different motivations, but that was what was driving the value of the trade from Washington standpoint. The league had that understanding as well of, Okay, he's probably not playing the run exactly as hard as he could. He's probably trying to just, you know, pin the ears back and let it cook. And, you know, good for him. It worked. You don't get paid for playing the run in this league. You get paid for getting sacks. I get it. Especially he who's been off the field so often. But I, I love trades, both the trades for both teams. I loved your trade, McCaffrey. You know, last year I told you that. I love it when a team's in the middle of it, in the middle of go for it mode, saying, yeah, let's do it. Especially a trade like that where you gave it up for nothing, nothing. You even got him to pay, I think, all of the contract for like yeah. the vet. And like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you guys, I, I, what, what can I say on that one? You know, you got it. You know, that one when you guys kicked kick butt on that kind of trade to pull that off. And I'm really surprised that there wasn't somebody else in the league with a low third round pick. Even an AFC team that could have used some pass Jacksonville. Rush. Jacksonville shocked the hell out of me. I don't understand why they wouldn't do that trade. Makes no sense. Because like you said, it's compensatory. It's all the way to the back at the end of the third. Mm-hmm. Bring come come on up here. Bring it on up in here. I I I just it. I, I was like, they got it for that? Really? Nobody? Like even us wouldn't like if we're gonna go for it, go at least to get keep yeah. it out of the Niners' hands at that point. No, <laughs> no, you will not. He'll be over here. You know, as you can see with our edges, you, you mentioned about our you know team playing down. We lose a Chen and Nwosu for the year to a torn pack. Our edges haven't stepped up. We got Frank Clark back in here. Daryl Taylor, who I've long lamented can't play the run for his life. Uh, that was the guy I remember last year. You guys ran the fly sweep to his side, left him unblocked. Remember that? 
Remember that? Yeah, I remember. I I, yeah, yeah. I, remember clearly, that? you haven't forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a wonder watching your your defensive end left blah, 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 the player run, running right at him, and then he just comes to a stop and he just kind of hypnotized him, and Taylor's just like, "Oh, look at it! It's wonderful." <laughs> he just goes right fast, like Daryl. Come on. Uh, and unfortunately, it hasn't gotten better in that respect with them out yeah. there. So you know, teams have kind of been able to hammer on that a little bit. And you know, we've got some other things we can get into as far as kind of schematically what's kind of hindering us a little bit defensively. But it hasn't been Williams. He has um, he's been a really good player for us. And I do think even after they sign him, it's we're going to look at it and go, hey, that's been a really good signing. I think some of Jaron Reed's gone back a little bit in this play. I think Mario Edwards Jr. Both these guys started out kind of hot. They've also kind of eased back a bit. Uh, not that we're bad up front right now, but we're not generating a lot of pressure. Nothing like what you know you guys are probably generating over there, as it kind of stands right now. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest issue in Seattle that I see is just can't get home. I and that for me, it, Seattle made the right decision, by the way, in in drafting the way that they did, getting oh my gosh, an elite corner in the draft, phenomenal, phenomenal pick, but. I really expected them to get an edge early on in that draft. Then they went corner him. Okay, it's a good pick. You got a very good corner. He's proven that so far in the NFL. But I think this next year in the draft, that's where they're going to spend heavy is they, they've got to go get some elite edge rushers to close this thing out. That's the only thing that defense is missing because everything else is in place. Yeah, it's going to be hard with the elite edge thing, though, because you just you paid Uchenan eighteen million on a contract extension mm -hmm. at the start uh, in the offseason. You drafted a second round pick in Derek Hall this past year out of Auburn. You have Boye Mafe, who is really emerging. I mean, he is really Mafe's coming good, forward. Yeah, and then he's a complete player at that. I think he's instilled himself as a kind of cornerstone piece going forward. Part of it has been, I think, the Daryl Taylor, a guy you spent a second round pick on, not coming forward like they had hoped. But the Ochenna injury is really, you know, where it hits. I'm not saying you're not wrong. They may go and draft a guy. I don't know if they'll look at it as much of a priority, though, because they'll lean on Derek Hall in his second year of coming forward. And then you still will have Taylor on the roster at that point. You'll still have Ochenna on the roster at that point, um, wherever he fits in. Because Ochenna has been, I mean, he was playing really good this year before the injury. So that's been a big part of why you're, you're not a big part, but it's been a part of why, you're, you know, your defense has, you know, kind of dipped. They are going to, I think, need to address the interior of the defensive line from my standpoint. I think middle linebacker, because I don't think they're going to be able to retain Jordan Brooks for the price he's going to cost, because somebody's going to pay him $17 million, And I just think that's that's too high a cost for a guy that does have his share of struggles and coverage. You're going to see it this week. Agree. Because agree. You're going to watch Shanahan run run that old, you know, I'm going to go this way and get you to bite with your aggressiveness this way. And then I'm going to come back that way to George, Kitt George Kittle. And you're two steps late in coverage, getting back to Kittle on that route, Jordan, even though you're very fast and that's too late, two steps too late. And now he's over the top, like that second matchup, right? Where, huh, huh, huh. Touchdown, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, that's, that's kind of what you do with it's, and there's any problem with, with Shannon and McVay both. They, they, they know, they know Coach Carroll like you know the like the grandpa that they've been raised at his feet for for twenty years. That they know all of his little tricks and his all of his little stuff. And you know, oh yeah, show me the penny trick again, Brand. You know, Grandpa, show me how it disappears <laughs> in your elbow. You know, what I mean? and they're like, it ain't working. You know, and they've got these counters, and it's just um, it is on Carroll right now a little bit with both of these these two young uh, whippersnappers to to find some counters to what they're doing against him schematically to attack because a lot of that's why you have such great success with him uh, as you guys did last year I, mean, I just think back to the matchup and i this is going to come into play in this matchup of tell me if i'm going to be wrong on this one with you and uh your team on offensively and purdy we came in that matchup last year with no healthy nose tackles and you and i did the pregame show on that and i told you 
we've, we've, we play this four man fronts and we're just dropping this off zone. And I feel like we don't have the dogs to get it done in this game, but what we could do is try to maybe take it to you. It's a risk. You're maybe even likely to slay it and you may just cut it into pieces, but at least we'll be trying to take this to you a little bit. You're we're outgunned, we're outmanned, but when you're outgunned and outmanned, you got to try some different tactics and things. And instead, what did we do? And I think you'll agree. We stayed kind of in our typical stuff, right? Throughout the course of that game. And this year has been a bit of that same kind of microcosm on it. And I come up into this matchup with you guys in Purdy. And I look at specifically those two games being the, the Vikings game and then the, the next week after it and how much, or the, the Browns game or how much man coverage they were playing in that game and how much there were some of those willingnesses to put stack up those fronts. I think back to last year and Purdy starting out 11 for 11 and was dropping into the soft zones only then on attempt 12 to bring the blitz and then on 12 attempt 13 to bring a fake blitz both of which then drive the two incompletions you get. Am I off my rocker and saying this should be the game plan that the Hawks lean into against these this Niner, Niner team? It it has to be the game plan because Brock Purdy eviscerates any time you play zone coverage. If you play zone coverage, you're playing right into his hands. The one thing that Brock Purdy is, is he is confident and he throws with a ton of anticipation. And if you show him exactly what he wants to see. He knows where he's going with the ball. He's making a decisive, quick decisions, and he will eviscerate the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, absolutely. And the corners and the secondary in general, this is the way that I look at Seattle. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know schematically, you know everything about that team inside and out. But when I look at Seattle and I just look at the players that are there, last year, they didn't have the horses. This year, I believe they do have the horses. You have three safeties there that are are very different, but they allow you to do a lot of interesting things. You look at someone like Love, for example. I think Love would be great to play and have him kind of shadow CMC. You've got Diggs, who can be your, your cover one deep safety and go sideline to sideline, even play the robber role if needed. You've got... Uh, Who's who's your other safety? I'm I'm drawing. Oh, Adams. Adams, who can basically come down and be a, a linebacker and go with Kittle, and then you've got two elite corners right there. So no matter where IU goes, you've got him in a matchup that, yeah, I mean it always favors wide receivers, but two elite corners, you can't go wrong with that. And so when I look at Seattle, I say, hey, if there's a team that on the back end can match up with the 49ers in the whole NFL. It's probably Cleveland, which we saw how that went, and it's probably Seattle. Those are the two teams that I look at. But if you sit back and play soft zone coverage behind a a defensive line that can't get home, Brock Purdy will make them pay. It'll get ugly very, very quickly. It's the sweet irony of this season is that what we do really well, it goes against the nature of what the coaching staff and Coach Carroll wants to do defensively. He wants to, like your Niners do for the most part, and your Niners do we willing to dial some stuff up, but it's we're going with our front four. We're going to drop as many guys into coverage as we can, and we're going to squeeze those windows. And um, it's not that it's a completely horrible strategy. It's one to employ, but it's just that we do it to such an extreme degree versus trying to blitz. Um, for instance, a lot of us started to get you know happy early on this year. We'd gone up to like 30th to 17th in the, in the, in the amount that we blitzed. And so we're starting to think, but then you look a little bit deeper at the numbers and come to understand, yeah, but those are really only these five-man blitzes we're running. 
We're actually mm -hmm. still 32nd in the league when it comes to six-man blitzes or more, so we're still not blitzing. But we do it well. I mean, even to this la last game, there was a point. It got so obvious in this last game, the telecast, Jesse, flashes the stat midway through the third quarter, showing Stafford in the game dealing with no blitzing versus dealing with blitzing. Blitzing, sack, interception, no blitzing, picking you apart like a surgeon. And the first matchup you played Stafford, picking you apart like a surgeon and not a lot of blitzing. And it, it just befuddles my mind why we don't aren't more willing to do it because it is what we do well. And I understand you take the risk on the back end, but it's not like our defense is playing necessarily particularly well anyway to try to trust them on the back. Well, we'll just, you know, let them, you're still getting beat on that. They're still getting, look at the highlights from last week. You'll find throws with Stafford still throwing it up the football field with some depth. It um, is one that I don't understand. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's going to kind of just drive me more crazy. You agree with me on this, that this is a good strategy to go with because it's one that's more likely that they're not going to employ. And you were right about Witherspoon, by the way. I, I, I was on the pick. I liked it, but I did not think he would be this. I mean, man, he is top five rated so corner by PFF right now. And he is, I, and I'm, I know that your Niner faithful out there will be thinking that I'm just homering up here. And it's probably a little bit of that, but it's it's unbelievable to watch the guy because you have a guy that can play inside or outside corner equally well and at a dominant level, not at a rookie good level, at a dominant yeah. level. And then he's, he, he amazing blitzer. He's, he's got the best blitz, um, blitz grades of any yeah. defender in the National Football League, better than Jalen Carter, better than any edge rusher. He's got a 90 grade right now that's one of those things i'm saying when we blitz them we're so good at it when we do it it's amazing andy tackles form tackler old school hawk tackling form hit the near hip hit get the hip roll employs it all over the place and when he's not doing that he absolutely 190 pounds lays a sledgehammer hit and he's got ball skills i know he's got one interception but he's had five in his hands where he, i mean dead set in his hands one that got called back by a ticky tack penalty that had nothing to do with him on the play one of those like, you know, a hand basically skims a quarterback top of their helmet and, you know, they call an ambulance. And, and so he's just unbelievable, Jesse. He can play man or zone. I know it sounds like I'm being completely over the, but he's been that good. You, and the numbers you, back. You're up. not, you're, you really are not. And I can tell you, I have, there's a, a content creator in the 49er community goes by coach. I know that my community knows him. He and I talk on a regular basis and I told him. This was probably three or four weeks ago. I said, if you have not seen Weatherspoon play, just go and watch him and tell me how good this kid is because he is everything that you could ever want. I was going to bring up the blitzing, and I, I, of course you did, but <laughs> I mean, he's an elite blitzer, and you're right. He hits people very, very hard for as small as he looks. He's an elite cover corner. I, there's nothing that he can't do. And it's crazy because you have Reek Woolen on the other side who came out and was phenomenal in his own right. Weatherspoon's better. I think yeah. he's better. He and that, that's not because Woolen isn't good. Woolen is still a, arguably a top 10, top 15 corner in this league. But Witherspoon is better. That is scary to think about. Yeah. You're act, you're a hundred, and your outlook is my outlook on this one, 100%. He is better. Woolen still is really good. Just got an interception this last week, his second of the mm -hmm. year. And much like uh, Witherspoon, he's had his hands on a couple of them this year that are just barely misses or should, you would have had that on any other, any other time you're making that catch. But this guy, he doesn't have the complete skill set that Witherspoon brings. He can't no. be kicked inside and outside. The ability to go, oh, you're in base. 
I'm going to be on the outside. Oh, we got to go to, you know, and then we get him. We have mixed it up nicely defensively with then sometimes mixing in Adams in there, sometimes mixing in Witherspoon and then Witherspoon goes back to the outside. And so it makes it a little you know, unpredictable about where he's going to be at. And now you're having to maybe start to account for him a little bit. Even, I mean, even got in two weeks ago, man, you're just, he does something every week, a couple of weeks ago, he's going up to Sam Howell. Sam Howell's done that old quarterback, you know, keeper play. Howell tries to keep his feet a little too long. He just gets his hand in there and rips the ball free. Like it was no yeah. thing. It's just like, you know, typical Witherspoon kind of play where you're just like, man, every week this kid's doing something. And I, I thought he'd be good. I was wondering at 5'11", 190 pounds, fifth overall pick, that formula math doesn't quite always add up in your head at first, you know, where you go, we carry the one that seems still a little too small. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's been amazing. Uh, a fantastic. He, he plays corner. Tell me, tell me if you agree with this. He plays corner like Steve Smith played a receiver. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's a great. That's a great. Because I haven't found a really necessarily good comparison for him as a, at the cornerback. People are going to kind of old school, like Dale Carter. They'll still pulling mm -hmm. out these like old school names, but that's as good as anything, at least as far as that mentality goes. Because that's what he brings, and he's going to let you know. And he's got that chippiness, and I'm gonna. You know, he's got a, just a swagger to him. You're not going to see with rookies, and uh, it's he's been by far the best rookie corner I've seen in Seahawks history. You mentioned Warren last year with five interceptions. Richard Sherman, when he burst on the scene in 2011, this has surpassed it and surpassed it by far. And I've been watching Hawk Corners going back for almost 40 years here. So it's to say this kid's even beyond that something. And it adds up when he's the fifth overall pick, too. You know, it's many Absolutely, teams looking yeah. to outlook. Uh, how's, uh, how's been the returns on your, your draft this year? You guys didn't have a first round pick. We eventually do have to get around a little bit to the Lance discussion of things because you and I, did you get your liquor so we can pour a little bit out, by the way? I thought we <laughs> For your and my love of Lance, I, we were going to have to drop a little bit of, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive, but I think we got to give him a little bit of a couple droppings there on that. Uh, yeah, how's, you, sure. how's your draft been working out? Well, it's interesting that you say that because if you would ask me, if the Seahawks and 49ers were playing this last Sunday, I would have said, well, not really contributing. Uh, Outside of Moody, who's your kicker, he has to contribute. Not a lot of contribution from this draft class. I think there's some good players in it, for sure, but not a lot of contribution. Jair Brown, who is their first pick in this draft, Ooh, third, yeah. third round, I think 89th overall. He, Penn State, baby. Penn State. He now is going to be a starter for the 49ers because Talanoa Hofunga is done for the season. He tore his ACL on Sunday. Uh, shout out to Talanoa Funga. But now he's in a big, big spot here where he has to fill all pro shoes. I will say this, though. Hafunga was not having an all pro season by any means. He, in fact, I had planned in going into my post game on Sunday and talk about Hafunga and how I think he's fallen off a little bit and. I don't know if it's a Steve Wilkes thing or or what's going on, maybe redundancy between he and Gibson, but it just, he doesn't have what he had last year. And then he gets injured and Jair Brown comes in and immediately, almost immediately made a huge impact. First of all, very first possession that he's in, they kill him with the seam route. Absolutely crush him. I'm going, oh gosh, he can't cover. What are we going to do? But then after that, he settled in. He had a, a big tip pass. He had an, uh, the game ceiling interception, a huge, huge hit where he knocked the ball loose. He made plays in only a, a quarter and a half or so that he played. He showed why he was drafted and why a lot of us like the pick. But 
now he's going to be starting. And as film rolls out, how do teams look at him? What are the weaknesses? And how does he play on a championship caliber defense? Is it something where he can make a contribution? Is it something where over time they figure they have to hide him a little bit? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Talent's definitely there. But Hafunga had an all-pro season. Even though he'd taken a bit of a backslide, I'm still curious to see what Jair Brown looks like long-term with this defense as they make this run. Who was my uh, who was my favorite pick of your Niners when we talked last? Who was my favorite pick? Jair Brown. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Yeah, you did. You told did. you. And look, it's it's. Uh, I think his long term free safety is probably going to be the best position for him. But yeah. I think it's also to where he's got the skill set to make it work in the strong safety, and at least he gives you ball skills that are a little unusual to what you normally would get from the strong safety position to fit him in there. But um, yeah. I I just I go back to when I first turned on the tape. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm watching Earl Thomas with four, five, four, six speed. That's basically what I think I'm watching on the football field as far as instincts and, and willingness to get in there. So um, even though he's an undersized guy, he'll put his nose in there. Really glad to hear he has not glad to hear. <laughs> There's my ego on that one. Glad to hear I got my draft one right on that one. <laughs> but uh, even though it comes to the price of my team this week in this upcoming matchup, but uh, I think he'll do fine for Hafonga. It seemed like Hafonga got that all pro last season, the all pro year he did as well. He had the strong start to the year, and it sort of seems yes. like it's that back half is light, and then I'm hearing now the front half is light as well, and and so you know it's not maybe like he's embedded himself, I'm guess, into the future of the position. If Jair, this might be an opportunity for Jair to go out there and uh, you know pull one of those, you know, what was the wee wheeler? It's the the Luke Gehrig story, the guy the wee wheeler played in front of Gehrig and he got injured, yeah, and yeah. Gehrig went out and got the Iron Man streak or something. Yeah, that's it. Know. But you know. I think the long-term plan was to play them together and it still may be, but this is the business side. And if you're a a player guy, the way I am, I advocate for the players big time. Talanoho Funga was in line to get paid at the end of the season. And Mm -hmm. now with that torn ACL fortunate for the Niners, I guess that they're going to be able to save some money and get them maybe on a prove it deal. And unfortunate for the player who now is going to have to take much less than what he was hoping to get. So, and and Hafunga is a, a, regardless of how well he plays, he will be missed no matter what because he's one of those tone setters. Anytime that you go to training camp, he's the first guy out. And I know it sounds corny, first guy out, last guy to leave. He really is that guy. He's every single day out there first. He's got a big smile. He just brings a great spirit to the team. And I think that will be missed, even if, if, he wasn't playing as good as we had hoped he would. Just the spirit of Talanoho Funga on that defense will be missed for sure. Yeah, we'll have to talk a little bit about the cap. I think probably next in a couple of weeks when we meet up mm-hmm. and get into depths, you guys, because I think it's going to be some tough, difficult. Not that you guys aren't going to have some room to do some things, but Hafunga yeah. uh, could be the guy is a bit of an odd man out there with with how you may want to spend the rest of the money, depending on where the team is and yeah. who's retiring and who's not retiring too. Yeah. Um, we got some donos here. I'm behind on. I gotta let's get them done. All right, behind. let's go. Put a few. Uh, Gammon Brown, thank you for the five dollar donation. Says Shane Waldron will be the MVP of that game. That man has so many blue chips on offense, but he knows his fans want field goals. <laughs> oh man, oh, this man's I, speaking to I, your I, heart right now. I, I, I warned you, man. I, the, the spirit of the Hawk faithful right now is in a tough shape right now, watching this team throughout this year. It's not that we've been bad, Jesse. 
It's just that, boy, we've got some problems that we just don't look like we're all that intent on fixing. And uh, one of those has been, you know, Shane. Well, Gammon's one of the 49er guys. He knows from watching afar what's going on with Seattle. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for the fiver, Gammon. And yeah, that's been, it'll maybe be the MVP for you guys. Um, (laughs) The thing I'd ask Niners to do, and and maybe you guys can let me know at some point in the post-game comments on my video or on this stream afterwards is, Watch this offense or the Hawks this week. You guys play the Rams twice a year as well. Waldron came from the McVay scheme. So Niner fans, your homework for you, if you can let me know as an outsider with no bias on the situation, when you watch the Hawks offense this week, do you see remnants of Sean McVay's offense within it with what they're running? Or do you see it as being its own thing? Because it's a very key point, I think, that as Hawk fans are trying to turn over and determine right now. And um, my my feeling on it would be they would be the latter. It's kind of its mm-hmm. own it's a bit of its own thing right now. It might have some vestiges, some echoes, some of the bones, but not what makes it successful for McVeigh, which is to show you simplicity or to show you just something that's simple, but it's actually very intricate. You can see the same three wide receiver set 14, 20 times in the game, but they're going to run every little different iteration out of it. And that's what makes them tough to deal with, which to us, it seems like every different play, we've got a different formation we're trotting out there, you know, in some different kind of look. Thank you, though, uh, Gammon. Appreciate you. Sorry, man, a little bit late on the acknowledgement of the dono there, but I thank you for it. Uh, Gammon also with the $2 donation says, Hawks penalties will cancel out 49er penalties. Uh, we're going to beat your penalties. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we like the flags here, man. That's just our thing. I don't know if it's that we've got a, a you know a, an inkling towards yellow or you know we just can't get a call. You know, I don't know, man. You guys have flag problems, too? Yeah, I mean it's it's hit and miss. There's games where they've played very clean, and then there's games where the penalties fly. I think it really depends on Dre Greenlaw. What what tone is he going to set that game? Does he want to get a couple penalties, or is he going to play? <laughs> is he going to play fair that game? We'll see. Is he your version of DK, where he just goes off and does oh, the crazy thing? Uh, he's he's always towing the line. And sp- speaking of, you've got Brother Bob in the chat, and and you'll see with his comment. I call him the Dre Greenlaw of the chat because he's always right up against the line. He's always towing the line of, is that a penalty? Is it not? He just plays super aggressive and we love it. We definitely do. But there are times where like, dude, can you just not please? Oh, hey, we've got our moments like that here with our some of our guys too included on that. So I can, I can feel you out. But uh, yeah, we're the most penalized team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're the most penalized team in the NFL with teams that have yet to got have a buy, like the number two and the number three team behind us haven't even had a buy yet. And we've had a buy and we're still <laughs> out- <laughs> outpacing them. So, uh, you know, discipline's not quite our thing. We like to play wild, loose, fast, and free here, baby. You know, we're there you go. running through the open field and, you know, we don't <laughs> want to be held down by clothing or any penalties or rules, you know. What are rules? We don't have any rules here. We're Doc Brown and Back to the Future 2 picking up Marty. <laughs> <laughs> thank you gammon and gammon again coming with a third donation thank you for all your donos man i appreciate you so much for that at brandon watching the film since the ravens game i noticed that your o-line struggles against loaded fronts even if only four-man rush guards got abused well if i was going to the defensive coordinator for the san francisco 49ers and that is very well spotted on your part gammon first off let me say that but if i was going to the niners defensive mr wilkes i'd say mr wilkes i know you have a front four you want to trust i know you guys don't want to blitz i know you got hammered for the casino blitz what i would recommend doing is you don't have to necessarily blitz more but what i would do against this hawks team this week even with your injuries and we some slight weaknesses maybe in the secondary is bring the stack fronts into play 
It's not that you're bringing the blitz. It's that you're making our offensive line and Geno think, because Gammon's right on the button here. The big problem, and it's not just since the Ravens game, it was going on since, but the Ravens did the thing of like, hey, they're having an issue with this. Hammer it. You know, like we're going to do this 24 seven. And so you bring up all those guys, linebackers, cornerbacks, everything's loaded for the, the quarterback and the offensive line to look at. They called through their protections and then post snap, you're dropping guys back out and their guesswork is wrong. And this can work really well on the drop back for the front four, because now Bosa, now Chase, now Hargrave get the one-on-one -on -one opportunities because the blocking protections have slid to the blitzer. And even if they come back over to help, they're maybe a little bit too late to properly provide that help. So if I was a Niner defensive coordinator, that's or going to Wilkes today, I'd say, I know you want to go to front four, show your cover two shell high look, you know, and try to keep things kind of off and trust your front seven to kind of get it done with the run game. But I would dial that up a lot because it's given us fits, Gammon. Absolute mm. and utter fits at every turn. And we, Gino can't see the blitz coming. Line can't protect it up right. It, it's, it's, all the way along the line bad right now. And we don't really have much of an answer, unfortunately. I, I keep looking for one, but um, they do okay a little bit with bubble screens, for instance, is kind of a counter when you do bring the blitz, but they just don't recognize it enough, accurately enough. How's that been with Brock? Um, yeah, I'm telling you, Brock, Brock Process is like a 35-year-old veteran. He really does. Yeah. So that that is not the issue with Brock Purdy. He, again, if you if you, if you blitz him, here's two things not to do don't send all out blitzes because he will tear you apart there and do not play soft zone if you've got a team that can play press man and get some you know a little bit of pressure on him and get him to move off his spot a little bit that's where he's going to struggle a little bit because his that, that's the only real knock that you can have against brock is the arm strength is not elite right it's mm -hmm. it's serviceable but when you have to force them to throw into a tight window with man coverage behind it, that's where things can get a little bit squirrely. But not many teams can deploy that. They really can't. Cleveland was was one of them, and we saw how that game went. I I think Seattle could, but you know as well as I do, and you've talked about it a lot through this show, is they're not going to do that most likely. And I think that that'll be the death of them. I, I think that they're probably going to get picked apart because of it. Agreed and agreed. I, I think it's what they should do. I don't think it is what they they will do. The disruption of routes, I think, is a big part of dealing with Purdy at this point too, and that he's got mm -hmm. that timing in his head that is so very on with when to get the with the where to get the ball out, where to accurately put it, and the exact timing by which the ball then comes out for him. He's got a very good internal clock of that, and if you, you really send that and, and throw that apart, if you can get the good jam at the line of scrimmage on these receivers, with both. In Witherspoon's case, because he's just so freaking gadget gadget long, six foot four, and just it's he's going to have always a little bit of a size advantage on that side. And Witherspoon, just because of his general physicality, but you've got the guys in place to get it done in that way. I'd love to see it, um, but I, I again, like you said, I don't know if we're going to do it or not because we have been not yet willing to do it so far consistently throughout the course of this year. We'll we'll, we'll flash it. We'll give it kind of as a flavor thing here or there, but not actually really commit to doing it. And uh, I think it's going to give, uh, I, I think it's going to open things up for, for Purdy because you got off coverage like we tend to like to run. You get those nice free and easy releases. He knows where the guy's going to be on the spot right when he's supposed to be. And uh, it just makes it a lot, a lot tougher to deal with that point when you make it easier. In my opinion, you're making it easier for the offense. Yeah. And Brandon, Brandon Ayuk too. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is always open. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I don't know how he does it. He is always open. And you give him a free release, then I, I don't know how you stop him. I really don't. 
Well, and if you look at last year, Ayuk had a pretty good success, I think. I think he was at least consistent in all three games having his share of catches. I would reckon to guess all of those catches came on free releases last year in all three of mm-hmm. those games. I don't think he was pressed yeah. once. I would probably tend to agree. Thank you, though, uh, Gammon, for all those donos, bro. Appreciate you on that. Uh, brother, mother, FN Bob has been a member of your channel for six months, says, Nails, CBs, suck it, 3017. Oh, it's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Brandon, but he hates the Seahawks. <laughs> I appreciate you on that, Bob. I I understand. That's what makes this a great rivalry, bro. So, uh, you know, see bitches. Hopefully we don't this week. Hopefully we're not fucking nothing. Eating, eating fish. <laughs> eating Thanksgiving. Appreciate you, Bob. Uh, fish and chips. Wow, wow that's, that was right at the same time. With a $2 dono. Thank you for that fish and chips. So still blasting that crowd noise through the sound system. We never needed to blast crowd noise. The acoustics were built by a man who understood how to build a stadium to amplify the acoustics. That is simply what it is. And again, remember, yeah, I've back- never, I've, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I've ever accused or heard anybody accuse Seattle of pumping crowd noise. Now the Rams, that's a whole yeah. different deal. They, they pump noise community. like crazy. I think. Yeah. They don't have enough fans in the house to make enough noise in there and that, but no, no, this was one that's always, I've struggled with too, because I go, okay, so we're not loud. It's the, and it's, I've heard it a little bit, not a lot, um, but okay, we're not loud. Let's go back to the kingdom days when we were in the kingdom and we weren't pumping through anything. How is it then that we got to a place of being so loud? The NFL actually generated a rule where we were going to get flagged for being too loud. There came points in games, watching games and Seahawks games in the late eighties where they said, if you guys don't quiet down, we're going to flag your team. <laughs> Lumenfield wasn't involved in that. Lumenfield, that yeah. was in the that was in the concrete jungle that wasn't amplified for anything. That was like they put that thing together on like about fifty thousand dollar budget. That kingdom, it was held together by like glue and stickum. And so, you know, we've always it, it, if you go into Husky Stadium, you go into any of these uh, Sonics when they were here and in those playoff games. You ever back in the day, listen to watch those games. Oh, yeah. There's always been a thing in it with us. I'm not saying it makes us special as a crowd. It's something we try to do. Now, whether or not that separates us, it doesn't separate. It's just something that is a part inherent in our fan base. It goes back generations here where there's an understanding. If you walk in the stadium, you lose your voice. You do not. I think it's a Pacific Northwest thing, too, because even the Blazers. I mean, you go to a Blazer game. It is insane how loud it can get in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it is purposeful. It's not just these guys losing their mind. That there there's a there's an understanding. Like I say, when it goes back to the '80s, when you they created a flag for us. We were the first fans in NFL in the history of sports. They're creating a flag for you because you're being too loud. And it's because they understood. Wow, this we're in this dome here. If we get louder and louder and louder, it reverberates, and the, the opponent can't hear. And you're seeing all the players going. And they're freaking out and it has an effect. So I, I mean, I just, I go more into it's that spirit that we still try to carry through, you know, and is it yeah. as strong as it's ever been? I don't know, but it is still a part of, you know, every, every father goes to his son at a certain age and explains it to him. And it's a, a lineage thing that's been passed down generations in that respect of things. Most certainly. Here's my, here's my outlook. I'm not saying it makes us bet the best or anything, just saying that, you know, it's our kind of our thing. A little bit. <laughs> uh, Bob again with the two dollar dono. Thank you too. Says nails. Where the hell are you? Fr- nails. Where the hell are you? Go home. We need you to sign in. Where's hey? Nails? I've no. I've got. I've got like you'll see it. But when we do a show in a couple of weeks, I got a nice slick little sign that I've got a neon last second sports sign. So you'll you'll see it next time through. But they miss. He misses the background. This is not. Oh, okay. This is not the normal setting. But I'm visiting family in. 
Talk about behind enemy lines, Bob. This I'm living the real deal. First of all, went to a 49er game, my first one at Levi. Watched them on Sunday, and then I'm in the Pacific Northwest for Thanksgiving. This is as real as it gets when it comes to behind enemy lines. I'm living it, brother Bob. I'm living it. You're in you're in the inception behind enemy lines. Yeah, in yeah, exactly. Line, in an enemy line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> appreciate you bob thank you man uh cryptic with a five dollar donation thank you cryptic it seems this season the niners are only winning by blowouts are they capable of getting into that gritty win this will be a big test yeah it might be a big test i i think on paper it it should be really seattle like i said they match up very well i think with the 49ers but it all comes down to scheme yeah they're definitely capable I, i think they are definitely capable but they haven't done it yet. And so until you do it, it's one of those things. That's the big question on Purdy. And, you know, it's a small sample size with this whole career, but you've got an even smaller sample size with this, hey, can he come from behind type of thing? Sure, he hasn't necessarily done it yet when his chances this season, but that doesn't mean he can't do it or won't be able to do it. And that's also a team thing. The team has to be able to support him in that. So I think they can, but they do got to prove it. They do. Because those games are going to be tight come playoff time. Am I wrong to say, though, that if they have the health of fully Trent Williams for a whole game, Debo Samuel for a full game, no partial torn oblique from a Christian McCaffrey, that they probably blow out all of the games that they played in so far? I know the Bengal game, they struggled, yeah. but that was at the height of no Williams and no Debo and oblique tear. Am I off? Am I going too crazy to say that? I, I think styles make matchups. I think Cleveland would have been a pain in the ass no matter what. I, you know, Whether they win or not, I think they would have just been a, a tough team to beat. The really of the three games, it's the Vikings game that really gets me bent out of shape because that's the one I, I look at the Bengals game and say, okay, Bengals were coming off of a bye. The 49ers are getting ready to enter their bye. They had just come off a crazy travel for a, a big chunk of the season. I understand how that game happens. The Browns game, again, they'd come off of a, a huge emotional win in prime time against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And, and I just think the Browns match up very, very well with the 49ers. So I can see that too. The Minnesota game makes no sense to me. I don't know how that game happened. That's the one where I say, yes, if they were fully healthy, certainly they win that game going away. I don't know about the other two. I really, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, Minnesota was a tough one. I watched that game and you have Brian Flores just playing with basically house money. I mean, he knows he doesn't yeah. have good talent on that defense, really, in a couple of spots. But so he's just going to be as creative as he can you know, he's back there doing mushrooms and coming up with creative blitzes he can <laughs> yeah. play. And then you got Kirk Cousins back there throwing freaking darts back there and, and you know, and hitting little bread basket sized holes 25 yards down the field with a blitz in his face. So it's, it's kind of a perfect storm in that game of some other things going down too. But um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be that big test this week. I don't know if we'll be that close test last year. You guys uh, basically outpaced us the first game into about late third quarter, right? Started to kind of carry away same thing was true i think in the second mm-hmm. matchup and then we got on top of you at half but then shortly after half um so definitely for two and a half quarters we'll be in it uh, i hope for longer i hope more beyond that at that point but if we hold the type from last year of how this played out that's kind of how it went um so hopefully we got we can you know we can at least play you tough now we just got to kind of carry it through a little bit longer through the portions of the entire game i i know that we're running a little light on time 
-hmm. let's power through these super chats because I do have a question for you. This was a, this was, if we've had any debates this off season, there is one big debate we had this off season. And I think you know where I'm going with it, but I want to get to it because I got to know in hindsight what your feelings are and if they've changed. 100%. Um, Brother Bob, thank you again for another $2 donation. Says, Brandon, you realize you're getting run through Thursday, right? Uh, my confidence is not high right now, Bob. I don't know if I'm <laughs> I'm dropping my drawers and, you know, doing the Ving Rhames, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> let me bend over the top of the rocking thing. No, uh, I'm not there. Uh, I want my team to go out and and we've got a fighting chance and we go win this game. And I think we're then back on top of technically division. But it, it's you guys right now should be the favorite coming into this game, despite being on the road, despite there only being one game of true difference between us. Um, you are in a better state than us this year right now. And my team has is a really good team and it has a lot of potential. We just have not yet hit that potential over the course of the season yet. When you know we've had the defense play well, then we've got the offense, but we haven't gotten them both. Whereas you guys have found that consistent stride and we're looking for it. Um, so we we're dangerous. We're a tough matchup for you. Styles matter, like you say, but that, that is the one thing I'll say is that uh, I, I can't get to the run-through part. I can't get there, Bob. Bob with another uh, $2 donation says, Behind enemy lines, nails starts off nice. Fake praise. Hey, I, you guys know me. My, it, it's funny because my, my, my chat, it's a love-hate thing with me. It really is. And I understand it. But I've got people that say, man, you just always praise the other team. It's like, are you even a Niner fan? I just watch a lot of football. I genuinely just love football. And if there's something good that I notice about another team, I'm going to say it. There's, It's okay to be nice to other fan bases and other teams and know that your team's still going to win. Like that, that's, oh, I've picked the Niners every single week. It's okay. <laughs> I agree, too. And I think what we're trying to get, Bob, with the heart of it, I try to do the same when I do my behind enemy lines, Bob, where it's as much you're just trying to – I mean, I, I'm sure you feel the same way, Jesse. You walk away educated as well. Behind yeah. the film you watch, you walk away from these interactions way better understanding. And if you just came there and it was like, hey, Jesse, Niners suck. Why don't you go forge for some gold? <laughs> yeah, like, what kind of show would we have? For some gold. That'd be a five minutes. Be like, okay, we're signing off. F off, <laughs> Niners. And I, it, it'd, get, it'd get old quick with that. This is, I think there's yeah. a lot. As Me and Jesse, we're just beginning. On this. We're getting only an hour today, but uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to be probably going a couple hours on this and discussing some of these because it really interests us. And I like to pick his brain, and I'm, I think he feels the same way. So it's uh, you guys get to watch. That's all. We just hit record. We'd be, you know, <laughs> that's all this is. Uh, but thank you, Bob. Uh, Paris Bell, thank you for becoming a YouTube member. Welcome aboard uh, the channel. I think that that's on my end. It might be on your end. I always hard for me to tell when we're doing the dual stream on that. But Paris, yeah, it's a member is on uh, minor Jesse. Bob, again, with the $2 donations is Brandon. That looks like a Trump tarred flag. That's an America <laughs> flag right there. That's America. That's America, bro. Don't you know I'm America? Well, that's a Hawk 12 flag, man. Hawk 12 flag, I gotta do it. Bob hey, says this goes this goes back to the penalty thing. You guys do like flags, though. It, this is this is not a new thing. Yellow flags, you don't discriminate really. You just Seattle no. likes flags. And, it, and so is. the 12th man flag, penalty flags, they're all they're all equal. It just adds color. That's all. We just like a little extra <laughs> color added all the way around. Uh Bob with another two dollar donation. Bob, thank you for all the donos. Says Brandon, you're cool because you know J Jair Brown will pick six you. <laughs> He's a scary player, man. Like I was, I was getting Jesse to admit it. That was one yeah. of my uh, guys in the draft that I was really, really loving quite a bit. And I, I was like, ooh, this is a guy you're going to be able to get because he runs a 4.65. I even know the 40 he ran. He ran a 4.65.40. And that's why he dropped in the draft the way he did his tape. 
matched up to a guy that should have been probably a high second round pick. But because the 40 matters so much in the NFL and that carries much, and even the safeties where recently it's shown you shouldn't spend as much time worrying about that with the safety position in particular. Um, but he's going to be a good player for you guys. I didn't like your, I, I did not like your draft, Bob, but I did like, uh, I loved that pick for you. And I think that's going to be a starter for you in the future. No doubt about it. Snail, thank you for the $2 donations. As Waldron needs to go hang out with Matt Canada. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. He, he probably does. Amen, brother. Amen. We've got, <laughs> it's been our biggest year this year is we expected way more to be done with this level of talent than they've done Jesse this year. And, and it's really on his, it's at his foot feet. You shouldn't be struggling this much offensively like they do with all they've got. From your mouth to God's ears, I'm sure. Drives us nuts. Bob, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, Brando, that's a flag behind you. Nasty. <laughs> are we anti-flags, Bob? Are we, we got a problem with flag? It's gonna, a Seattle flag. He hates it. Well, you know, so it's got to rock, rock my colors, man. You know how it is. Uh, Janeth Kumar, thank you for the $1,000. Do you know what that symbol is? I'm going to say $1,000. It's probably it's probably like, it's a thousand. Uh, it's a 50. I'm pretty sure that's a 50 spot though. But just because of the color, it goes off the color. I'm pretty sure that's a 50 spot. Yeah. Maybe Janeth, even a hundo, but we'll, we'll go with a hundred dollar default. Janet, that's an amazing donation. Thank you yeah. so very much for that. So um, nice. I don't know on that. I hope you're doing well tonight and thank you for that. Very kind of you. Us has had to rep the twelves in the super chat game. Great chat, gents. Ah, well, thank you That's so awesome. much, Janet. I really, really appreciate it, man. A hundred dollars. I always say thank you. Never seems enough, does it? It's like I got to have a, a shirt. I wish I could <laughs> shoot him or something. That you go. Here's a shirt for at least for a hundred dollars. Thank <laughs> you, Janet, for that donation and uh, appreciate you. I always love chopping up here with Jesse. I know we're going to be only doing about an hour tonight, but uh, we'll be definitely getting back in a couple weeks of this as well and getting into some other spots that we aren't able to cover tonight. But appreciate you, Janet. Thank you for that. Bob, uh, with another $2 donation, says Kittle will feast on Turkey Day. 130 Ooh, yards 132. plus two touchdowns. Primetime Kittle, he does show up in primetime. I will give him that. I would definitely take the over if it was like he's at 57 yards in this game, or he's probably like you know underdog, being like 57 or something. I probably would take the over on that one for this game. I would. I don't yeah. know about 130 and two tutties, but I'll, I'll, I will go the probably over would yeah. be. Be a good good one on the parlay run. Vivian Morsi Ox, thank you for the $2 donation. I feel like Purdy is going above his limitations. Is that a fair way to um, put it? Yeah, I would say, here's the thing is there's, there's limitations, physical limitations, certainly, right? Where you say, okay, doesn't have a strong arm, he's undersized, all, all the tropes that you want to throw out there. Certainly, I, I guess if you look at it in that manner, for sure. But again, confidence for a quarterback is everything. He plays with confidence. He plays with a swagger. And he's very well studied. This is a, a player who started for four years in college. He's played a lot of football. He's getting into a team that's extremely talented. And he knows where to go with the football. He's decisive in that manner. And you, when you add all those things up, you're getting a perfect recipe for a player that is outplaying a contract, outplaying a, a draft pick, or however you want to look at it, maybe outplaying his quote-unquote limitations, he's just a good football player. And you're seeing that paired up with really, really good talent. Now, maybe he's not as good as what it's looked. Maybe he is, and time will tell that. But I don't think that anybody can deny at this point that he is a good football player. And if you've got a good football player who's smart, and on time with a very talented roster, 
you're seeing that makeup happening right now. Yeah, I would add on top of all the good points that you made having the Shanahan benefit too. Uh, for on, sure. Uh, the, yeah. An ideal quarterback for him to execute it. And it all works together in perfect synergistic form. And I think as long Most as certainly. they are able to stay healthy. I'll say this. I think as long as you stay healthy this year, and that's the key for you guys on this year to me, I, I think you are. I, I predict you to win the division at the start of the year. I predict you to go to the NFC and be the representative if you can stay healthy. But I think it's as big a key for you as it would be for any other team in the NFC, from the Lions to the Eagles to us. It's yeah. one that you guys really need to have break it right in your direction in that respect, I think, to maximize your season. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, uh, though, Feed Me. Appreciate you for that. Uh, Rod Dew, thank you for the $5 donation. If we beat the Niners Thursday, would you count us true contenders or still iffy because of our past game performances? Go Hawks. Question for you, yeah. I guess that is a question for me. Why don't you answer it real quick while I think about it for a second? I, I think that they... And it's tough because it's a division game and they're at home. It's it's wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if they win. I I think it depends on how they follow it up to two weeks later because they play the 49ers again in two weeks. Not that they would have to win that game, but then they would be on the road. If they get absolutely waxed in that game, you know, probably not. But I, I think winning this game can give them the confidence. And and I would like to say yes, because they're right there and they're at the top of the division. But it's a division game in there at home. So I, I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. On a short week, too. On a yeah. short week, too. I, I I think I'm with Jesse on this one. I We, we don't disagree on a ton of stuff. We got we pretty see pretty closely aligned on most things. And this is going to be similar. I, I It's going to take more than that at this point. There's been too much iffiness that I've seen Radu in how we've played up until this point to believe that one game would put us into a state of being, you know, contender. I'll feel great about us doing it. We're going to learn about what our team is over these next four games with two against the Niners, one against the Eagles, one against the Cowboys, three games in 15 nights. We'll figure out real soon what this team is, but it would take a little bit more for all the reasons he gave and, and just that it's where we've been at. So uh, it'd be good. I'm not, I'd love to see it, man, but I need to see more at this point. I, this I don't, Brandon, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's a trend that I've seen, not actually not even just with the channel here, but more so just through Twitter and what have you. And it, it's not a single fan base thing, but I, I feel like more than ever that fans have become more week to week than I've maybe ever seen. It seems like sweeping judgments have been made week to week on players, coaches, uh, teams, more so than I've ever seen. It's like, oh my God, this player's great because they did X this week. And then this player's awful. And the very next week, it's crickets because now everything's kind of gone back to normal and the balance is there or this coach is bad or this team is bad or good. I, I don't know what it is. It just seems to me, or maybe I'm just noticing it more than ever. It feels well, like week to week, people are making sweeping judgments that I don't know that I've ever paid attention to before this year. I don't think you're seeing things. I, I'm feeling it as well. And it gets you wore out because what happens is that the people feel that way. And then it's not just that they want to feel that way. They want you to be absolutely assured of also feeling that way. They want you to feel and, that way too, yeah. And that's the frustrating part. I'm completely yeah. fine, and I love having different opinion in my chat, but it does drive me crazy when people just hammer on something to where they just have kind of a gut. I have a gut feeling about this and the one mm -hmm. performance, you know, or I have this, yeah. it's like, that's not enough for me. I might eventually <laughs> yeah. arrive when you arrive, but I want the data to arrive there. And yeah, for we've sure. had this with, with discussions with coach Carroll, with Waldron, Geno Smith, DK Metcalf. I, you would think of DK Metcalf, a player has been as good as he is that I wouldn't have to be defending him and going to bat for him. I've had to do that so often this year. I can't even count how often I've had to do it. 
And it, it, yeah. it blows my mind and I don't get it. And I'm like, this should be a guy that we're celebrating who's been fantastic for us. And instead people are like caught up on these little tiny little things and you know, blow them out of proportion. And it's like, okay, you know, we got problems on this team and this is what we're going to concentrate on. But yeah, it's been apparent. It's been out there and it's, it, it gets frustrating because people are so, they, they, they've got that the, the itchy trigger finger, man. You know, they're just, they're, they're, they're caressing it. They're like, I want to pull it. I want to pull it. And that's where, you know, <laughs> they're coming into it with a bias when they arrive there and they see something that confirms their bias. It's like, try to have less biases, try to do, operate from that perspective of pulling away your bias as much. We all have it, but try to actually take a part of the process to remove that bias as much as you can. You can't pull it all off. Some of that glue is going to stick, but you can try a little bit to come into this with a bit of a, let me, let me just try to evaluate this without what I kind of feel, take the feelings and just take where we can with, with everything. But it's tough, man. This modern age of, of things is definitely, it really is. People are jumpy. Shady Luke. Thank you for the $5. Don't know. And I know you got an hour thing. We'll uh, definitely cook through on these. I We're promise. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shady Luke. Thank you for the $5 donation. Seattle's corner. Eagles fan. Are- Eagles fan. He's an Eagles Ooh, fan. Eagles fan. He's saying this. It? Yeah. What's up Shady. Uh, thank you for that, man. Appreciate the fivers. Says Seattle's corners are the funnest in the NFC. IMO. I it's the part of the team I maybe love it at the most right now where it's at. Um, and that's saying that we got some good spots in this team, but the the overall corner unit into the future and what we're able to set up, I they have a chance to be special and in, into now and into the future. The, these two guys and Woolen had a little bit of a slow start, had a little bit of injuries that he was coming back off of with some minor like arthroscopic stuff in the offseason. He's back to full bloom here in recent weeks. And if both of these guys get cooking, I, I really hope eventually down the road, Jesse, I just pray to God, eventually down the road, we get to a spot of trusting these two guys on an islands each, you know, islands in the stream, baby. And the stream being the rest of the defense just gets to avalanche on down on offenses. And those guys hold up on the outside and you just shut down offenses all across the league in that way. I'd love to see us start to try to do that into the future to take best advantage of these two corners in the right ways. We have yet to do that entirely quite yet, but They've got the talent to do so. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to go this far. I, it's funny because I just said, hey, it's a week-to-week league. <laughs> we'll see after a couple years if it can turn into this, but I'm getting very early Revis Cromarty vibes from the mm-hmm. standpoint of at least how they play, where Revis wasn't as as physically gifted as Cromarty, but just the way that he played football you see that a lot in Witherspoon. And then when you look at, at Woolen, you see a lot of Cromartie with the size, the speed and everything. I, I just, I think that those two together and what their skill sets are and how they match up, there could be a future there where you get something very similar long-term for them. And, and that'll be interesting to see. I think it's an apt comparison. Cromartie even actually had those really great ball skills too, right? You go up mm-hmm. in one-handed and that's also with Woolen. You get those receiver ball skills. Yeah being that convert to the position. I, that would be my outlook on both these two guys and where I think they're going to. And it frees you so much up then to do so many creative things defensively because they erase things out on the outside. And it just allows you to really now start to not just have to rely on your talent. Oh, just got to rely on our front four to get it done. Now you can yeah. manufacture things up front and actually kind of then take it to these opposition. Something which we just haven't done for years here, Jesse. So I'm yeah. kind of longing for it because it's just years of four-man fronts and soft zone defenses. Years. <laughs> years. <laughs> and I, I hesitate only because of the Reba side. Cromarty was a fine player, but Woolen certainly can get there. Uh, Witherspoon and, and the Reba thing, okay, okay I, 
want to go crazy. I'm just saying I'm getting those vibes early on that it could turn into something like that. I get what you're saying. I mean, it's we're just trying to kind of find a comp for it. It is early on, and yeah. I don't, I'm not reaching any conclusion of that. Oh, he's now going to be a Hall of Famer. That's Revis where he yeah. went with his career. But he is at least early on to be where he's at. And and you look at the yeah. just week in and week out what he's doing and how the season he's going to put together. It's going to be one of the all-time better seasons for a rookie cornerback if he can mm -hmm. kind of solidify it where it seems like it's heading you know three three interceptions four or five sacks the hits the the highlights the film that you're gonna have to go off of the ratings i mean he's had six games he's given up less than 25 yards in coverage um it's pretty freaky Are you still there okay there we go yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah perfect uh thank you shady for the uh five dollar dono and i do think it's probably gonna end up this year potentially coming down to you and the eagles and uh jesse's niners when it's all yeah, here we go again here we go again <laughs> trash talk and begin yeah they don't have chauncey gardner johnson there so don't, we don't get the good devo chauncey talk though that will we'll have to figure out who's going to be the new you know maybe jalen carter will pick that up for the eagles for him or something you know well isn't that that little slide that he did be under the center this week try to intercept the the spike front that was pretty slick man i've never seen i thought anything that like was that. amazing i thought that it was, was pretty awesome. cool it was and if he had pulled it off oh my god dude you know if he had pulled it off but so smart that's high iq as it gets right there like yeah. there's no loss to doing it you know the center is going to lazily just do that whole hmm. they, they just do that thing once they snap and they know that it's going to be like that that they just <laughs> take advantage to have no effort on the play and he yeah. took advantage I, it'll be interesting to see if other defensive tackles start to think about that a little bit or if centers start to actually really try to block it up a yeah, little more fiercely, <laughs> uh, you know, to kind of prevent it. Um, thank you, uh, though, again, Shady, for that $5 dono. Uh, Frank Tom Ocean has been a member of the, I think it's for you, a member of uh, Last Second Sports for eight long months. Thank you for that long time dedication. One of the best shows of the week. Thank you both. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's Appreciate awesome. Thanks. You're very, very kind for doing so. Almost gotten down through here. Um, Feed me more Seahawks. Thank you for the $2 donation. Beware. We will have Lucas back for this game. Good. I'm. You never want to see players get in. Yep. And he's had a, a rough season. And I'm happy that he's back. I didn't know if that was going to be something where he was going to miss the season and have to get surgery. Maybe he still has to get surgery. We'll see how it plays out. But he he's a really good player. Really good young player. And I know that he's definitely been missed. You guys have been... Not bad players. Stone Forsythe's been pretty good, and and you know Peters for being fifty seven now. I think he is <laughs> still not a bad player, but he he's not. Neither one of them are Lucas. So I'm I'm happy that he's back, and I want Seattle to be fully healthy so that there are no excuses. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know how Jason Peters talked the NFL to letting him take a walker <laughs> out on the football field. Crazy. That, was a, that was a shocker to me that they got him and even with the tennis balls on it and everything i was like I feel yeah like the whole an, I feel deal like, yeah i feel like there's probably an equipment malfunction or something here that they can call <laughs> him but no they let him play with it and he's been good with it he just sticks it out there in front of the guys as if they get past him uh yeah we do get lucas back man and uh this is this is definitely going to bring our line to a place of being at its strongest it's been all year one of the reasons the offense has struggled in addition to its lack of creativity from you know how they run by design at times mm. has also been you've been down we got through i think a half of the rams game there in the first game and you got down your starting two tackles from then on it was just game after game down three down four fifths down sometimes five fifths of our offensive line just trying to cobble it together it's been better in recent weeks you mentioned foresight and peters have definitely been able to plug the holes in the in you know in the boat until lucas can get back but it is nice to be back at least at full strength for this game especially with a guy like chase young out there 
you're going to have to deal with on that side. Um, I don't want to have Peters at 41 trying to stay in front of uh, that young uh, that young kid and trying to you know make it happen at that point. So probably a rotation though. Even if he comes back, I will say that you're going to see some Lucas. You're going to see some Peters. They're not just going to have him come off the thing and go. Mm-hmm. Okay, run 70 snaps out there this week. Thank you, uh, Phoebe, for that donation. Uh, it's it's Vito, baby. Thank you for the five dollar donation, Vito. It says, "What's up, Jesse? Happy holidays." I think it's a short week. It'll be a little closer. I hope we demolish Seattle, but my guess is twenty seventeen Niners. Oh, okay. Well, we're gonna get to our score predictions here soon. Uh, we, we'll we are for sure like on that it. one. Yeah, I do like that's a kind veto. Very kind of you yeah. for that score, though. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I won't be that kind on this. Diva Martel, thank you for the five dollar donation. Says I'm excited to see what role Macintosh plays. Shut it up, Bob. Shut it, Bob. <laughs> Bob, Bob sent it off, sent it off the chat already here, huh? Uh yeah, we get we get a Macintosh. Kenny Macintosh, the Georgia yeah. kid, seventh rounder, had a, a knee injury in camp, so haven't had a chance to see him. And uh with uh Walker having a little bit of that same sounds like a bleak thing that you had your McCaffrey guy going through. We're gonna get maybe a little bit of a chance to see uh Charbonnet and Macintosh in this game. So he's a fun player, man. He can do receiver stuff and running back stuff. He's kind of a dual threat, a true dual threat in that way. But uh, yeah, we're kind of excited to get our first few of them this week. Yeah, Kenneth Walker, that's the uh, yeah. That one hurts. Luckily, like with McCaffrey, with being oblique, at least not ACL or McCaffrey. You, you get him. We are getting him back here, and this is why we drafted a second round pick in Charbonnet to be able to carry the load if uh, the number one guy goes out. So hopefully, he'll be able to at least hold it up. Thank you, uh, Debo, for that uh, five dollar donation. And you tell you tell Bob. You let Bob know. Uh, fish and chips thank you for the two dollar donation says bird roasting on thursday get it ready yeah we're gonna have some turkey and on our logo after the game that's the way that this is gonna play out fish and chips that's just (laughs) you are correct Uh, you are factually correct on that one fish and chips perfect facts uh megan (laughs) gak roger my lady from dan and thank you for the 20 dollar donation to you megan appreciate you and it's good to see in the chat says b Seems like Bob has a problem with the Star Spangled 12s flag. Have the same one in my office, right next to the blue 12s flag flown off the Lumen flagpole. Hashtag 12 flags rule. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Megan. Good to see you, Megan. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go, Megan. Let him know. Let him know. Yeah, we got we to rock, rock our 12 flag, Megan. We got to let him know on it. He just he just wishes there was a niner niner flag. What's that going to look like? You know, we got panning for gold on the at the little side. Thing here. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Bob started. Bob started. Jesse. Last he did. He did. I know. I told you. I told you. He was our Dre Green law. We got a Dre Green law. Rick James. That's a habitual line stepper right there. <laughs> Jesse Dunn. Thank you for the five dollar donation. Says we're not contenders until Waldron and Pete fall down a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh gosh. I told you it's a little, it's a little dark. dark. It's a okay, Jesse. I told you it's a little dark in Hawk Phantom right now. I warned you. I, <laughs> I told you it might go there tonight a little bit. It's that was a tough loss for us, man. We lost the Rams twice in kind of embarrassing fashion in two different ways this year. And we really are gonna, I think, feel like we're gonna look back at those two games, Jesse, and go, we shouldn't have lost those. Uh, we shouldn't yeah. have lost those games. Uh, thank you though, Jesse. Appreciate you. And I don't think you're alone in your outlook on that one right now as a Hawk fan. Uh, brother Bob back in the house as uh, predictions. Before nails cuts off, no good. My Wi-Fi. I know. I'm sorry. You know, it's crazy because I did a, a test before we started, and I was telling Brian backstage, for streaming, you need upload speeds. I've got over 300 megabits a second download, and my upload is around 15 or less here. 
So I knew it might be an issue. I apologize. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If it's been cutting out, my apologies. I just, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not at home base, so. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, you're coming in fine, and it's been it's been good for most part throughout. So they they're hearing what you're saying on it. They, they, it's coming through. Thank you, brother Bob, uh, Gammon Brown. Thank you for another fiver as well. Says uh, appreciate all the donations, brother Bob Gammon. Thank you guys. 49ers win because of coaching only. Seattle will give up underneath, and we don't want to go deep. We give up underneath, and the Hawks abandon the short game. Mm. There you go. Gammon's Might be that simple. Yeah, I think Gammon's got a good head on his shoulders and a uh, a good outlook on his feel for where this game, you know, potentially goes. I we saw it three times last year. I mean, I could do so many all twenty-two match, you know, shots of you were just, you know, it's it's real simplistic route concepts that are attacking very specific positions on the football field, defensively speaking, for my Hawks. And it, it's it's just we do we have an utter refusal to change and adapt. And offensively, it's much the same way for different reasons. And I think that you're right on that game. And I think it comes down to it. The talent on these teams is actually fairly close across the board when it comes down to it. You guys are in your Super Bowl window. We're trying to get to that place. I acknowledge that. But I think it's close from a talent point. But when it comes to X's and O's, when it comes to coaches putting their players in a position to succeed on NFL Sundays, my coaches don't do a good enough job of putting those players in that right position, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And I think your Niners team does quite a bit of the opposite on that, especially when it comes to offensively, in my opinion, with Shanahan and how he conducts an offense. I agree. Um, I promise you, man, we're getting through it. I know you're on a time frame here. Yeah, no, Shady, uh, Shady Luke, thank you for the fiver. I appreciate you for that, man. Thank you. Double donation from Shady as well. I got to keep eyes on both y'all teams this season. It's getting saucy. Also, I do appreciate good football content. Well, thank you so much. But seriously, the best Eagles fan. I, I'm curious though, Shady, what happens to the personality next week? Because I, I have a feeling Eagles, 49ers, I'm going to see a flip. And it'll only be for a week, and you'll be right back to being Shady Luke and enjoying the 49ers content. But I have a feeling next week, I'm not going to get the nicest comments from you. But it's all right. I, I respect it. I respect it. No, he's all like, yeah, he's like, hey, here, I got you guys a Thanksgiving pie. Here, Jesse, yeah, I got you. Yeah. It's oh, buttering you up, yeah. Mm. <laughs> right, in the, right in the face on it with that one. Uh, well, I do think it I do think it comes down to, I know the Cowboys are supposed to be dangerous, but come on, we know what the Cowboys are, right? We know they're, they're going to eventually be the Cowboys here, and, and Detroit's all right, but yeah, come on. I, I do think it comes down to you guys. You guys are still, as I started this season, at the top two March. It's Eagles and you guys. We're down in that tier with the Cowboys and the Lions as far as trying to trying to climb our way up into that spot and getting in that territory of things. But I think that's the pecking order as it stands right now. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you guys do face, you mentioned not wanting to see injury. It did suck last year feeling like, man, this game got decided by this one injury in this one spot with these teams that have built this whole season up to this place. Really would like to see whatever happens this year for teams to be in this NFC, especially where it's not the strongest of conferences, having these guys yeah, close to full strength as you can be at the end of the year and not to have some devastating injury like that, uh, allow that thing to kind of carry things through. That would suck. Yeah. I, I, I would hate for that to happen again. That would be it. It's one thing to know that you're not the best team. That's fine. But the 49ers really, since the Harbaugh era, it seems like they've been runner up so many times and the second best team in the league for however long. And these injuries are just brutal. They're, they've been brutal and at the worst times. So, Hopefully it doesn't happen again. And you you felt like last year with with where Purdy was playing, where the offense was humming at, that it was now not in a place of where it is with Garoppolo, where you mm -hmm. and I could tangibly feel that of this as being an offense that can go to a certain distance. It can have a certain mm -hmm. amount of success, but 
he implicitly holds you back to some degree in certain places yeah. and, and will so, especially yeah. when the competition gets really tough and that doesn't work in playoff football. You've got to have your guy come in. And, and I think Purdy's capable of doing that thing. I'm, I'm still there with the arm strength stuff, but the processing and a lot of the other attributes of the quarterback position in this offense with Shanahan, with the playmakers, it's, it's just a perfect little synergistic place that just everything's clicking. And I think in the playoffs yeah. that can work. That can absolutely I agree. Work. I agree. Best of luck to your team this year though, Shady. Uh, you guys are looking really strong. Great win last night. Todd, thank you for the $10 donation. Todd, nothing uh, put down in the uh, comments. Just a $10 donation. I appreciate you for that, Todd. Very kind of you, man. Thank you so much for that. Radu Turkin, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, Carol, going through two packs of gum this game. Oh, he's going to have four bubblicious. I think he's going two at a time. I think it's going to be one of those old, you know, <laughs> is that chew? Is, is Coach Carroll taking on chew in this game? Have the stress gotten to him that much? He's like, no, that's just bubblicious. It's so funny. <laughs> he just throws it too. He'll turn around at one point. He gets mad. He's like, and he drops this big, <laughs> throws it back into that. I, I'm guessing somebody in the crowd just reaches out, you know, like it's, you know, like it's, it's panties at a rock concert or something, you know, when they throw him at stage, like somebody was reaching out to grab it, I guess it's a memento for someone he's thinking, but oh, man. Yeah, he just, he rifles it, man. It's like, it's like <laughs> one of those shirt cannons at a, a basketball game, but it's just his gum. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, thank you, Radu. Appreciate the donation, man. Uh, it's uh, Vito, baby, with the $5 dono. Thank you for the double dono, Vito. Says, uh, I say 2017 Niners because I'm biased and I hate Seattle, laughing out loud. But we're on the road and it won't be a cakewalk and it's a division game as well. God, fantastic. I think you're being very fair with your prediction, you're, man. I, I yeah, do. Your, your people are being very fair today. Bob, Bob's mm -hmm. a little unhinged, but he's even kind on the dono. Yeah, he's always unhinged. He's yeah. Always on that but uh, no you guys are being very uh even keeled and on the spot with their their sentiments and their outlook on this game i mean if you know i'm i'm probably not going to have this be a three game difference or three uh, point difference we'll be going to our breakdown in a second on our final uh, thing here but uh, i won't have it as 2017 i'll guarantee you that mm -hmm. so you're being very very kind on that and i think you're thinking on it though is also very correct some of this is just on the the current downward slope we find ourselves right now from my seattle team yeah uh, versus where your team is running a little bit hotter at the moment our, our engine's a little bit cold cool but to thank you, Vito. Appreciate it. And well thought out sentiment on it. At 2017, I feel a lot better. And I think I might be feeling about this game and how it could play out on the other side of it. So we'll let's just see. Uh, Gammon Brown, thank you for another $5 donation as well. Says, please don't take this comment in a rude way. Watching your last three games was way more boring than anticipated. I intended to watch Cleveland, but no. No, I, I, I get it. Um, and especially if you're somebody that's watching the sport at a place of trying to watch and look at like what things are being done schematically, because what you're going to watch is you're going to watch simplification at play across the board and defenses know what's coming because we're not complex. It becomes the common denominator over years. Now pre-snap is an advantage for teams offensively or defensively. You challenge teams pre-snap or you don't, you kind of do, or you kind of don't. We absolutely unhindered, do not 100% challenge teams pre-snap. You know what you're going to get. To my point, to provide evidence for this, our coverages pre-snap lead the league in showing you what we're going to show you pre-snap to what we're going to show you post-snap. If we show you cover two, you're going to get to cover two. You see single high, you're going to get a single high. That's, that's who we are. And you can't leave that advantage on the table week in and week out. And that's just one place. I can go to all these other places. Offensively, lack of pre and post-snap motion. Uh, the, the dropping into depth and zone coverages, even when you play a quarterback like a Purdy that's not looking to throw a nine route 60 yards down the field. 
it's still what we're going to play because we want to prevent that big play. It just, it's, it, it is, it is boring. It, I have a hard time watching it too. I'm looking for, where's the cool little strategical thing you did here. And then when you see it, it's like, Whoa, it's like somebody turns on a spotlight because it's just this <laughs> wild ass thing coming out of left field. You never get a chance to view. And it's so frustrating. And I, I, I feel like I just kind of, you know, bitching and moaning it to death, but it gets hard to watch when it seems to be such a clear issue for the team that they don't seem to want to actually address Gammon. You know, you're seeing over three games and it's been for me years. I mean, it's years. He's bored after three games. That's crazy. I and it's funny because he was like trying to be respectful, but I knew that you would be like, "Yeah, that's that's what I no. see every week, man. That's what I see." Well, every what week. I what I get from Gammon, he's done a couple of donations, and I'm getting that he's one of those guys probably looking a little bit deeper in the tape. And if you're looking, you're going to be like, "Okay, they're in." I see a I see a cover three look on the snap here with the covers and off coverage. I see digs up there with single high. They're pr- they're going to be a front four, and then they're just going to sit back into a zone defense and kind of react to what happens around them. They're not going to a zone. They're not spot dropping, pulling over here to a zone and flooding it up over here. They're just going to stand there and look at the quarterback and try to drift with the elements like they're in a river going downstream. And it's and it, and you go okay, so they're not actually doing anything. They're read they're they're re- they're really just read and reacting completely at that point. That's all they're doing with the occasional of dial up a blitz once every 12, 13 plays. And it, yeah, it gets, it's, it's not, it's lame to watch on tape. It's because you're just going, man, you're not really helping your guys out here. It's just, well, let them go play. Uh, even, and, and to back it up on this, this was even said, so again, just, I know you're rushed for time. So we're going to wrap this up here. We're almost caught up on that thing, but I want to read this one quote to you because this one stood out. This was from Eric the enemy. Uh, when we were, we we're going to play Washington a couple weeks ago, we, we got to go out and execute our offense because we got to go out and execute our offense better than they execute their defense. They're not a defense that's going to cause any confusion because they're going to play straight up and try to beat you with their best. Our job is to make sure we can go out and do what we do best. That's a coach telling it. Wow. To you. That's bad. That is not I what mean, you want to hear. It's not. And, and this is where I keep coming back to. It's like, it's just so obvious to everyone. And yet we're acting like our coaching staff, our media, a lot of local people just want to put blinders on and act like it doesn't exist. Like that's no, that's not what's happening. No, no, no. It's all fine. It's fine. Look, we're five and so we're six and four, six and five. It's great. You know, and it's like, no, this is still an issue. This isn't 2013. We can't operate like we got the LOB. We don't anymore. Man, I, I'm going to go on a rant. I'm going to, I know we're, we already got one way over. <laughs> uh, Todd L., thank you for another $10 donation. I'm sorry if it cut your message off prior there, Todd, uh, but thank you for the double donation. It says, why has Waldron left our three tight end schemes? We flourish. Indeed, two and three tight end schemes this year for us have been dialed back much more. At the head of this, in my belief, is number one, the offense has struggled to find an identity and is trying to be everything everywhere to everyone, meaning three and two tight ends and 11 personnel and trying to mix everything up across the board without ever being any one thing. The other part is you got Jackson Smith and Jigba this year, which draws you into 11 personnel and three wide receivers. If you're going to go three wide receivers, you can't go two tight ends. You most especially can't go three tight ends. So some of that draw has pulled that off. But we've been effective as far as EPA goes on two and three tight end sets throughout the course of the year. One of the most efficient teams in the NFL, even we being that good with it, don't often go to it very often. I think it's mm-hmm. though really the draw to try to, you know, validate the pick of Jackson Smith in the first round a little bit by making sure you're getting him enough snaps out there to get some produ- productivity out of him. That's my guess. Todd, that's my guess. Thank you, man, for the double dono. Uh, Bob, thank you for the $2 donation. Says Niners ho- fans hoist Super Bowl. Losers like flags. <laughs> they've won super bowls more recently than we have man thank you jesse thank you <laughs> i'm coming in hot tonight that's all right although, i know it's, it's a heated although, rivalry 
you know, the five. But we, we definitely <laughs> love our five. Oh, no, but, oh, no, oh, it's time to get number right six. Here. It's time all to get number right, six. Like all these things right here. <laughs> you guys got enough. You need to wait a couple more decades, then you can yeah. do another one. You, you, you stack too many in the late eighties. You need to take some time. You gotta we gotta let this balance the rest out. Uh, JD Luke, thank you for the two dollar donation. Says it won't change. I promise. I live in Utah. Laughing out loud. Yeah, he's ta- he's talking about the. I <laughs> said next week he's gonna hate me because he's a Philly fan. All right, fair enough. Fair enough, Shady Luke. Fair enough. You'll be the only one, Shady. I'm sure he's gonna be getting a lot of heat. Yeah, one yeah. Enemy lines is gonna be uh, be like when we go down to the next week. Intense. So. Ugh, jeez, it's gonna be crazy. Uh, but thank you, Shady. Appreciate you, man. And again, best of luck, your Eagles. You got a hell of a squad out there and uh, taking down Casey. Were they in Arrowhead last night? Were yeah. They? yeah, they got yeah. that done in Arrowhead. Well, wow, that's it. That is impressive. Impressive. And thank you for uh, hanging on here with me, Jesse. We uh, went a little over our time here on that, but thank you as well. All the donations. Just uh, you guys are amazing, including your people's coming to the house, showing up here. Uh, thank you to all the uh, Jesse fans popping in on the chat and all the donos came down. Come old people, my people, Todd, double donos, all the man. You guys are amazing. Tremendous. Yeah, they were fantastic. This Band. is see. This is when we planned an hour. We can't account for this, so we appreciate I, you. I know, and I thought I was at a good spot where I was going to hum through at twenty. I'm like, okay, we'll get through this. I'm a nice <laughs> little buffer. Good, good. Yeah, no, man, they're <laughs> kind as ever, man. The people are always awesome um, in that respect. So we have a, a a final little bit to talk about. One little more item you want to cover here on our way out the door here. Before uh, let's no, no, let's not. Let's we're going to save it. We're going to we're going to because okay. this one's. I it. think this one's going to take us a while, and I really right. I want to get in depth on it. I really want to get in depth, and I think there's so many different ways the conversation can go. And I have a plan, and I want to see if you agree with the plan. So it's we we got. I think we have to wait for this, but we do have to give a score prediction. We have on the way out. We have to give a score prediction. I'll 100%. start. I'll all start. Right. I again, maybe it's the homer in me. I haven't picked against the 49ers all year. Although people that have been watching me for a while know that on these shows last year, multiple times I picked against the 49ers. I there's only one time where I didn't pick the 49ers this year. Or excuse me, I, I picked the 49ers and kind of was like, oh, all right, that was maybe the homer pick, but I couldn't go against it. That was the Bengals game. That's the only one where I felt afterwards where I was like, that was probably where I should have picked the Bengals to win. That being said, I am picking the Niners, of course. I think the 49ers win this one 27-17 to 17 on the road. And the 49ers get to return the favor of eating the Turducken midfield right there at Lumen Field. And no! I can't wait for it. I cannot no! wait for it. No. <laughs> uh, well, I uh, won't be going too far off your prediction score, unfortunately, mm-hmm. on this one. Um, I, I think right now your team's back to uh, nearing the full health as you can be at this point in time of the year. Certainly a juggernaut of a team and how you played. I, I don't think that we dial up what we need to dial up to win this game. Um, and that if we dialed up that strategy, I might look at this a little bit differently. It might be willing to drive this down to more of like a three point game, um, like your man dead in the chat there. So uh, I go more 24, 13, uh, I will have this as 11 point loss. I, I think that, um, we just continue struggles in the red zone, get a couple field goals, get the one touchdown, not enough. Your team moves the ball pretty well throughout the course of the game and ends up like the three matchups last year. We're able to hang on through a couple of the quarters, but we get into the depths of the third quarter and stuff starts to separate, you know, just a little bit in that respect of things. I hope, I hope to God I'm completely wrong, wrong on that, Jesse, but this has been a topsy-turvy kind of season. And we've also gotten the benefit coming into this game. Let's remember, Brent, uh, Jesse, of 
backup quarterbacks across the board, PJ Walker and Josh Dobbs and uh, Dalton, the red rifle, you know, we've had not necessarily a murderer's row of opponents, which is what's coming now. And we're going to get a clear view of who our team is at this point. Yeah. I, you know, and we both, we both have had those quarterbacks on, on the table for sure, but the 49ers are just in a really good spot. And before the season started, we talked and I did tell you that I was picking the Seahawks to split. And that game was the split. I thought the Seattle Seahawks would win the game on Thanksgiving. I, I just can't do it. Uh, th and this is why you have to let the season play out. Things change so rapidly. It's just not, I, I just don't see a, I'm not going to say I don't see a scenario that Seattle wins because there is a scenario, but it is clear that the 49ers right now are the better team. Yeah. It's a, it's a season about rounding into shape at this point. How do you round in a squad beyond the injuries? How are you rounding out as a team? And how your team's rounding out is in just a different place than ours. It goes beyond talent yeah. sometimes. That's a bit, and like you mentioned earlier, matchups. This is another part, and you guys are just in really clicking and rolling at the right time of year here as things start to turn. And uh, it'll be a dangerous certainly. team because of it. Bob finishing us up with one more donation at $2 Day says, See whack fans make flags of 12s and not SE team. <laughs> Shitty team. <laughs> oh brother bob we love you man we love you much love out to you there bob thank you for all the donos uh in the chat the flag stays the flag stays <laughs> well uh my fellow seahawk fans do me a favor over here let's show our man the love here in the chat jesse's been kind enough on his thanksgiving he's got his in-laws in-law mother in the house she's looking at him across the room right now with folded arms yeah. saying you said it was going to be an hour you sob okay I already didn't give you permission to marry my daughter, and now you're giving me this. <laughs> so uh, I want you guys to do me that favor is go to Last Second Sports. If you haven't already, you should have already because he's been over here a bunch of times, but do this tonight. Go over there and sub on up to his channel. He does great coverage of Niner, Niner content. You get, get your eye on the opponent. Always know what's going on when you're paying attention to his channel. We're going to be chopping it up here in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, over on his side of things. So we'll be back around here in a short two weeks to uh, take a look at this battle. And uh, hopefully my Seahawks are still, uh, you know, fighting in, in, in the mix at that point of time. Um, not the season's over in two weeks, but just that we're still able to say we're in this and hanging. That's all we're trying to do here at this point. But um, thank you, man, again, for coming on here. and doing Do, this. do me know. a favor, Brandon, before you get out of here, uh, yeah. drop a link to your channel in the chat as well so that uh, my folks can see it. I know yeah. that a lot of them had gone over and sub during the off season, but I would ask that, that my chat does the exact same thing just because I know that I gave an hour and a half, but you also gave an hour and a half right back. And then in two weeks, we're going to do this again, but it's going to be on my channel. And then, of course, streaming on his as well. But it'll be a home base for us over here. So make sure you show love. And then, of, you know, have a little fun on Thanksgiving. Go talk a little trash if the 49ers win. I'm sure he'll be all for it. So <laughs> got that link in there. Thank you, Jesse. You uh, definitely pop that on in if it'll it'll send it's thinking about there we go there's a link on into my go. channel on there you can find uh warana Pereira. thank you for the two dollar donation says why uncle sherman's obsessed with san francisco over seattle that is an interesting i you know what i this is a great question and i don't know the answer to it i yeah he was a little bit brutal a bitter i think about how he got left here um, I think he wanted to probably stay out here throughout his course of his career. And when Seattle kind of went, okay, we're, we're, we, they, they sort of enacted a lack of willingness to want to bring him back at that time. And he kind of went, okay. And I think it was much as because they were trying to make their pick for Russell over Sherman. And there were some clicks in the locker room and it wasn't a matter about Richard not being a good player anymore. Just necessarily that it was the coaching staff was basically hitching the wagons to Russ and saying, he's got to be the guy. And it had to be that at that point because of those clicks that had occurred over years that, that were still 
kind of resonating through. And so it was I think the right move. It, it was, the, it was the right move. I, mean, I love Sherman to death, but he can also be a big personality. And when it comes to like, you know, telling your quarterback, you effing suck on a practice squad on a regular basis at times, that's not going to help when you need your quarterback to be the leader in the locker room. And, yeah. um, I think Sherman's grown up in a lot of ways from his earlier time here in Seattle in, in certain respects. I think he loves both organizations, having played for them both and had a success with both. Um, and I think he still has a lot of love for Seattle. So I don't think he's, he's every time I hear about talking about Seattle, he still talks with a, a good amount of affinity. So I don't know. Yeah. I think early on he, there was definitely some frustration, but over the last year or so, I've actually seen him kind of go back towards being prideful, being a Seahawk. Yeah, absolutely. Once, once Russell left in that odd. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Good point. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Well, Jesse, uh, tell your mother-in-law and your wife, I thank them for letting me steal you away at the time. Tell them sure. I, I almost held you for three hours. They knew it could have been way more and worse because I could have locked you in if I got you. <laughs> but uh, you're awesome for coming in here and doing this during Thanksgiving week. I yes. hope this is a great fight. I hope both teams come out without any major injuries. I hope your team isn't season isn't unset by injuries this year by like it happened last year at the worst possible time. Let the best team win. Let it be a clean game. Let's not have the flags fl flag notwithstanding. Let's let it, let's let them play boys. This is gonna be a physical matchup. Okay. Refs. Be great. Can we have an equal agreement on this one. It's going to be a hard match. These guys are going to get fierce. It's going to get a little chippy. Okay. There's going to be a little bit of talking. <gasps> okay. Can we just like, let them do that just a little bit. Can we yeah, let, let's, let's let every, let's put on a show for everybody else. That is not an NFC West, uh, West honk or a 49er fan or a Seattle fan. Let's, let's put on a show and show why this rivalry on national t television while everybody's bellies are full, that these two teams are here to play. I think it should be a fun one. All eyes of the nation are on us. So let's put a yep. good product out there. Let's show them what's up. Let's show them what the NFC West does. Let's show them what the two best teams in the NFC West do when they go head-to-head. -head. Let's show yes, them sir. how the sparks fly. Thank you, man, for being here. Bob, thank you for one more dono. Says, ha-ha, it's because Seattle <laughs> sucks. Dirty donkey balls. Well, Bob, <laughs> can't say I agree with all your chat. But I definitely uh, agree with all the love that you put in as far as the donations. Thank you as well to all those that donated here to the chat tonight. We will be back in a couple weeks here to chop it up in with Jesse. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. On Happy Thanksgiving. And, whatnot. and uh, thank you again, Jesse, for coming in and doing that. Well, we'll see how it goes, brother. Oh, until we uh, meet again here in a couple weeks, please don't ever forget. Even make Jesse, I'm going to make Jesse say it here one of these times. Don't you ever forget, folks. Go Hawks. Oh. What you got? You can do it, Go Niners. I'll let you slip one in. <laughs> Listen, no, no, let's. I'm going to let you have it because you're not going to have it on Thursday. We'll we'll end it oh. on that. I'll be respectful on your channel. There, we, there oh. it is. Jesse got me at the end. Brandon out. <laughs> <laughs>